everyone. Thanks for listening to AWA. Um, in today's episode, I have the lovely Dr. Resma with me. Um, and we're going to be talking about, you know, how she got into medicine and what she does, like as a doctor, really. Um, I have done another episode with Shaz, who's also a doctor, but I thought it'd be good to get two different perspectives as they both have very different journeys into becoming a doctor. And I just thought it'd be very interesting to talk to you, Resma, today about, you know, what your journey has been like and your story so far. So thank you for joining me today. No problem. Hi, everyone. My name is Resma Raj Bandari. I'm a foundation doctor um, F2. I'm currently on stroke medicine. So nice speaking to you, Richard. Thanks for this opportunity. This is all really exciting. Yeah, no, it's my like it's my like it's my pleasure. It's you know, it's, <laughs> it's so nice to have you on here. Um, so I just want to actually get straight into it and really talk mm-hmm. about you know what you're doing at the moment and um, if you could just maybe give like a brief insight into what department you're currently working on and how it's going. Okay, so I'm on a two-year training program, and I'm just on my second year now, and kind of halfway through, and we do different rotations, and the current rotation I'm on is acute stroke medicine. Um, It's kind of like a medicine kind of rotation, so that involves me working on my ward, also doing lots of different types of on-call shifts, and I'm here for another two weeks, and then I rotate to a different specialty, and I'm moving on to trauma and orthopedics next. And then that's my two years done. Wow. Um. So, like, what other you know rotations have you done so far? Um. Prior to working in the stroke. So in so each rotation is like four months. Right. So each year has three rotations. So in my F one, I started off in psychiatry, which is interesting in itself. Yeah. And then moved over to care of the elderly. And then COVID happened, so we didn't actually rotate, which is like such a dramatic big thing. So we didn't rotate Mm -hmm. and we just stayed on the ward that we were and we were kind of working within COVID. Um, I then, after like eight months on the same place, I then started GP for four months as my first rotation as F2. Mm -hmm. I'm currently on stroke as my second rotation and my third rotation is TNO, so trauma and orthopedics, which will be my first surgical rotation that I'll be doing cool so obviously you've had you know experiences in all these different um departments and what have you kind of been enjoying the most or what did you enjoy the most out of them um I think the most enjoyable thing which is like this sounds really strange to say has been like the social aspect of work right um I've enjoyed working in teams and like all different types of professionals and I think I only realized how much I enjoyed that aspect of work when I did GP rotation and I was working on my own so I realized that I actually really enjoy you know facing a problem and you've got different aspects of aspects from different therapists um, and then different levels of doctors and kind of giving patient-centered care that way Mm. versus the type of work that I did in a GP so it's been really interesting medicine but working within hospital settings has been probably the most important thing to me that throughout this past two years. Cool. I mean, obviously, you mentioned COVID there, and you know, I, I can't mm, not talk about hot it. Topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It must be so stress. It must have been very stressful. I, mean, I don't know how it is at the moment for you, but like, you know, what 
obviously it's a challenging time for everyone and for you as a doctor mm. how kind of how was the um whole um challenge of kind of overcoming you know all these different cases and on top of that having like this whole surge in covid did you did it affect you and your role in any way mm, so I was working in care of the elderly, so geriatric medicine at the time. So around, you know, early last year, I was in in this type of medicine. So I was already dealing with patients who potentially were dying, were quite unwell, trying to have these difficult conversations with family about someone, you know, not surviving this hospital admission. So, you know, to an extent, I was already kind of surrounded with slightly ill patients anyway. Mm. COVID happened and then the hospital I was working at at the time is relatively small I would say so you know the I guess the managers that sit above us all Mm -hmm. um, that team you know were making decisions about clinical care Mm -hmm. and how we were facing COVID and one of the decisions that they were making was where would we be treating COVID patients and how you know and what parts of the hospital would be doing this way how would they pay you know manage patient flow etc and one of the systems and I guess maybe this is what was happening in other hospitals was that you would have um, patients come into hospital then they would be either put on a ward if they were COVID positive Mm. or if they were you know pending a COVID result but you were thinking suspicious of COVID or you were thinking, or you knew, for example, they were COVID negative, so they'd go to like a completely green area mm-hmm. where we try to, you know, minimise risk by keeping them with other non-COVID patients while we were dealing with their whatever medical issue they came in with. Um, and then you have like your surgical patients, etc. My ward at the time was decided to be turned into a red zone, wow. so covid positive patients and that wasn't like a decision we made like i said it's just like how they were deciding patient flow Mm -hmm. so we stayed a covid ward for what feels like the longest time um the type of medicine that you know i was used to was completely changing i'd never done kind of respiratory medicine before and now we were seeing patients with like cough and cold and temperatures and like lots of chest problems um we were then Obviously, the, the main issue at the time was the PPE. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is like probably one of the mm, points where I think doctors probably felt not supported enough. Right. Yeah. It wasn't clear enough, yet we were just, it just felt like to me, we were just, you know, told to do our jobs and mm. we weren't really given much support. And COVID being what it was really fresh at the time, mm-hmm. no one really had much of a clue of how to yeah. best deal with it yeah. um should we be wearing aprons not wearing aprons do we change aprons between patients or do we change the apron after seeing everyone in in that bay mm. do we wear the mask the whole day how many times do we change all these questions and I think a lot of time people were turning to us about what the answers were in terms of you know what do we do but a lot of times we were being driven by what the management team had decided what yeah. infection control had decided and I'm not going to lie, those rules were changing like within the day. Mm. So in the morning, it'd be one thing. And in the afternoon, they'd have a meeting. They'd have like the daily COVID meeting come tell us that actually um, you need to wear visors all the time, for example. So things were changing all the time, especially at the start. And I Mm -hmm. think 
that was the hardest thing was that we weren't really kept up to date enough. Yeah. Yet we were just expected to our jobs. And a lot of, okay, me, I was lucky. I didn't have a lot of family at risk. I didn't, I wasn't really living with anyone. I live on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people, you know, they were at risk or they were living with vulnerable people or they were obviously really anxious about COVID. We didn't really know what was going on. Mm, and yet they exactly. were being put in a position where they were having to risk a lot. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our own like staff were going off ill or we were being short staffed because people went off ill or, um, you know, all sectors of the hospital were being affected, not just the doctors. Yeah. It was like the nursing staff, the cleaners, the kitchen staff. And then... Yeah, tough times in, yeah. in terms of that. I feel like, no, like, obviously, the whole of the NHS, you know, have done so incredible. And um, just being there and being able to support, you know, um, in this challenging times. Um, so, like, for you, I feel like, you know, having overcome this and seeing this, I guess you feel like you can almost face anything at the moment. Is that how you feel? <laughs> or, <laughs> like, you know, how do you feel at the moment? Um, I think, I think it just feels strange. I can't believe that, you know, I've been studying medicine for however long. And the Mm. first year I'm a doctor, we've been hit by a pandemic. And I'm just like, okay, great. It feels like you're shoved right in the deep end. Mm. Um, I feel like going through what we've gone through, it it does make us stronger. Mm. It makes you kind of used to having to adapt, I guess, and being flexible with what, you know, what you're working and what hours you're working, helping colleagues. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of makes you appreciate um, the job that we do. Obviously, we've Mm. been lucky enough to continue working throughout the lockdowns. Um, No, yeah. But I do kind of at the same time feel like we've missed out a lot because of you know constantly working yeah and then not having any kind of much time off let's say yeah or not being able to do much in our time off and then on top of that because we weren't allowed to rotate and a lot of us are doing what we weren't you know what we didn't sign up for really Mm, mm. um it's been quite tough on us in terms of career planning and progression yeah definitely and understand that completely so you know what what did make you want to choose to study medicine (laughs) this is like such a such a popular question um and I tell people like the same thing every time is that I actually didn't know I wanted to do medicine and I decided really late right um I don't really know what I wanted to do I think probably something like be a PE teacher or an art teacher um something a bit more like that um Mm. I think then when I was in doing my A levels you know you gets you get pushed to start making a decision about what you want to do at uni and what you want to do like long term yeah I think that's where I started to think about what I liked doing what I was good at um being Asian is kind of like thinking about what your parents want you to do which you know is Mm -hmm. is like such a reality and they were I think they were the ones that initially said like why don't you try medicine and becoming a doctor and I genuinely don't even know where this came from Mm -hmm. because like we don't really have anyone in the family that's a doctor and my parents aren't doctors or in the clinical field so I think this kind of idea came out from somewhere and then I kind of started from there and I thought why not I'll give it a go Mm -hmm. so yeah cool no that's so true because just like generally um I think um Asians or you know like for us anyway parents think doctors are great 
um, profession, <laughs> um, and they really encouraged that. <laughs> yeah, um, no, so no. yeah, it's just like classic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, and I don't know. I think it's. I think I guess just speaking from my own parents. I guess I kind of turned to them because I was so indecisive. So maybe mm. seeking some sort of direction. And them being my parents, they, they've seen me do well in things or mm. not do well in certain things or know what type of person I am or what type of things I enjoy. Yeah. I guess I've been lucky enough that they also know my capabilities, if yeah. that makes sense. I think Absolutely. they know I'm hardworking, for example, or was good at X, Y, and Z, so thought mm. that it was possible for me to work hard and, yeah. and achieve this. I'd like to think that if if they didn't think that I was capable of something that they would you know just be honest with me and kind of push me to do some things that I can achieve Mm -hmm. through hard work Mm -hmm. I don't know if that if that makes sense no definitely um and I think that's so nice to have that support and that encouragement from your parents as well and you obviously you know you made it as a doctor so obviously they were right all along and (laughs) barely (laughs) no and it's not an easy thing you know it's like what five years the course um and it's a lot of hard work for sure and it's not that everyone can do um so yeah I mean they were right I suppose um you know and I think it's so nice to actually I know like generally you know we're stereotyped into like these certain professions but actually Mm. it is fine to be a doctor as long as you are good at it and you want to do it not because Mm. someone is forcing you to do it Mm. and that's what I always say you know um no I agree I think um so I did like a five-year course undergraduate and then after my third year I basically took a year out and did like an intercalated degree Mm -hmm. um that's basically well they say it's like a three-year degree that you kind of shorten into one kind of thing so it's like I did a bachelor of science in sports and exercise medicine because I'm really interested in that and I'm sure we'll talk about that later um but so I did that after my third year then finished my fourth and fifth year of university I think the one thing that I felt like when you and I talked was to talk about the fact that how hard uni was for me mm-hmm. actually yeah I was going to ask you I just wanted to you know hear yeah. your university <laughs> experience so if you could just like yeah tell me all about obviously um for the listeners Resma went to mm. um Queen Mary University um well hold on hold on hold on I've got to correct you okay <laughs> um, I did no, no I did go to Queen Mary it's like all the all the medics and dentists at my at my university are really like specific they're like oh we went to Bart's and the London oh, you know school of medicine and dentistry like but yes it's part of Queen Mary University okay. and um so I guess like coming off of A levels I decided really late that I wanted to do medicine yeah that I think put me on a back foot in terms of gaining the right experience the shadowing mm. um kind of creating my personal statement and cv and all those things that i i didn't realize i needed because i decided so late yeah. i then when you study medicine here you've got to do kind of additional um tests and they are kind of checking lots of different things that um oh god I can't even remember now but like they're all different like abstract reasoning right. and like clinical judgment like all those kind of things um is it that the you UK kind of need to do. cat is that yeah. yeah so most universities look at UK cat um you've got one or two that look at BMAT I'm not sure if it's still the same I'm, you know I feel really old saying that I'm sure it's still the same but so you've got to do these additional tests as well so mm. and then depending on your result unis will also like factor that in quite heavily 
So I applied to uni and then here I was waiting for, like, the thing is you've got to reply, um, sorry, apply really early for mm. medicine and dentistry as well. Like you've got to apply in like September, October yeah. when everyone else applies like three months later. So everyone else applied and they were getting replies back from universities like, oh, conditional offer, conditional offer, et cetera, et cetera. And here I was with like, you know, rejections, rejections. It's just like hoping I get um some sort of interview. After my first year, I think I got one interview at Barts. Right. I don't even know why I applied. Like, I was just my head was everywhere. Um, so I applied to like five year, four unis. You can only apply to four school, uh, medicine and then like dental um, unis, and you've got to have one backup. That's another uh, right. degree in case right. you don't get it. Mm. I think that already shows how hard it is to get in. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I then had one interview out of all my kind of four choices. I went to the interview. Don't know what I did wrong. I didn't get in. Okay. So I basically, after after trying my first time, I didn't get in. Right. And I guess I was kind of, I, well, I kind of felt like this, you know, this is a scenario that could happen. So I kind mm-hmm. of already prepared for it. And I had told myself that if I hadn't got in after my first go, that I would take a gap year and mm-hmm. try again the second year. So that's basically what I did. Um, right. I took a gap year, kind of worked, kind of worked um, a bit more on my personal statement and CV as well. Mm-hmm. I did a bit of traveling and I got to go back to Nepal and spend like like months there, which, you know, you don't always get the opportunity when you're studying. I applied again and then I got two interviews this year. I applied to Bart's again. Right. Again, I don't know why. I got that interview and, um, excuse me, I also got an interview up in Nottingham. Mm -hmm. Now, they were like different style of interviews. Um, I think the Nottingham one was this like mini stations. And like I had never done anything like this before, didn't know how to prep. I was like trying to read up all on these books and I didn't have anyone really that I could turn to and ask what happens, like what are tips, etc. Just I didn't really know many people Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, So that was interesting. And then I had the interview at Bart's, which was a more kind of... um, classical interview I guess with like two three people on a panel and they just ask you questions what they had done instead was send me an article to read up maybe like a week two weeks before and I just Mm -hmm. had to read up about it and we were going to talk about that in the interview as well Mm -hmm. now out of a miracle I got accepted after that interview I failed the interview in Nottingham Mm -hmm. again I don't know why they didn't really give much feedback at all which I guess looking back isn't helpful um, I got into Bart's and then, yeah, I got into uni after after a gap year and on my second try. Nice. So um, um, when you did do the gap year, obviously you went to Nepal. So did you do mm-hmm. like work experience there and build on your like CV? Yeah, so I think I probably could have done more, but like we spent a couple of days. So I went with a friend mm-hmm. and you spoke to her the other day as well. So I went with Ninama and we did some work shadowing at a hospital of like, right. you know how Asians are. It's always like my relative this, this person's that person's uncle, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So we went, um, we had, I had a relative I knew and we kind of shadowed them for a couple of days in a hospital there mm-hmm. in like Kathmandu. And that was really interesting and obviously really good thing to add on our CVs. Um, 
and obviously kind of seeing healthcare abroad is yeah. like when you've grown up here it's just like completely eye-opening mm-hmm. like it's just a whole other thing um and so we did that we also did a bit of um volunteering in the school by teaching english and um, we did that for a couple of weeks and honestly one of the best experiences i had I had such an amazing time the kids were like so lovely like would recommend to anyone mm. and so doing stuff like that um and like helping in health camps there with charities so it was all like a really good experience and I get to go back to Nepal and be with my family so that's like just the biggest bonus um so yeah so I did all these things in my gap year to add on my personal statement I guess adds more things to talk about in the interview as well Mm -hmm. Mm. cool so then obviously once you got in you must have been like ecstatic and you know um pleased um so like what was your course like um and you know was it like quite intense from year one did you get to do practicals how does it work so I guess each university is different in how they do things but at the end of the day they've all got to produce doctors at a certain level Mm. um so I guess the way that my university did it and I guess this is getting more popular is starting practicals from first year and the amount of clinical exposure you you might have increases as you you know progress through the years so for example like in my first year most of my times would be in lecture theatres and it is daunting when you've got like you know they are big cohorts and my uni was quite big uni for medicine dentistry so we'd have like 300 people in the lecture theater and you'd be in lecture theaters like nine to five most days one every two weeks we'd have um go to a gp for example and spend the day there Mm. um and then some of our afternoons would include working in the laboratories looking at like more like for example dissection was popular I remember and more kind of like the physiology stuff and experiments and those type of things and we would do certain clinical skills as well so I think so and then I guess these couple of aspects these like different parts let's say Mm -hmm. you do a certain ratio of them in year one but as you progress the clinical and the you know time in hospital and GPs gets more and more and the lectures that you do get less and less. Right. Um, I guess another like word that they loved using was like having like a spiral curriculum so that you would cover the basics mm-hmm. and the more common things and like the more the bigger specialities early on. And later you would revisit them, but do a bit more specialist stuff in that area. So you're kind of revisiting things mm-hmm. as you go. Um, but obviously you've got a lot more knowledge at that point. You've got a lot more um, clinical experience and skills as well. So yeah. you're kind of better understanding what you're doing as you go on. Um, so, yeah. And then we would have modules. So kind of like terms, I guess. And then mm-hmm. after a certain couple of modules, we'd get like a, an exam and then we'd have like maybe three exams like that in the year. And then our final exams, our final exams included written, communicate, like, and then clinical skills as well. And then we'd have anatomy, which was like um, online. Right. And they're all like um, single best answer questions or like multiple choice questions, things like that. 
Um, and then our clinical exams would be, uh, oh God, so I'm bringing back so many memories now. <laughs> uh, clinical exams would be, for example, you'd have like eight stations and a couple of rest stations as well. And you'd read a scenario before you have like a minute reading the scenario mm-hmm. of what that station was going to involve. Now, you wouldn't know before you came into the exam right. and you'd read like, so-and-so had like for example in year one you probably have like so-and-so came in with um abdo pain um examine this patient and think about what the diagnosis is so you'd then have whatever a couple of minutes in inside you'd go inside um so it's focused more on your examination skills do that come out you just then be an examiner there you tell them what you kind of found what your thoughts were what follow-up things you might do then that's it and then you go around to your next station and then go there and there and there so yeah they're all different types of exams really um and those exams kind of stayed similar as you progress through the years mm-hmm. wow um obviously you know you've given so much insight into how your course was and like the whole like um examination process Mm. Mm. um i just want to briefly actually touch on something you know something that's not academic and that's the fact that you know you were very much involved with the basketball society in your university Mm. and Mm. i know you and you know you are very much a champion for like um women who do sports um and you're a very good basketball player as well so like (laughs) (laughs) no it's true and i just wanted to like talk to you about that and did that help Mm. you like balance out that um life in university because surely you know it must be stressful at times just studying all the time especially to be Mm. a doctor so like what was that part of your life like in university and you know would you encourage like other students to join societies that you know that could help them out as well Mm. so i think for me like you probably know like I've always been sporty from a young age so I'd always been like playing in teams whether it's football or basketball and I played at school college etc so I guess I was used to always having that like um that hobby on the side even though I was studying so I think when I went to university it was only natural for me to like want to continue playing sports especially like having the opportunity there to like have really good coaches or have like better facilities obviously I was really keen to to join something and I decided to join basketball in the end mm-hmm. I then got to meet and meet some really 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 great and like welcoming like the funniest girls and I I just literally did not leave basketball like they couldn't get rid of me even if they tried um, <laughs> I would be at all the trainings at like loads of socials if I could make it yeah and um, because I was getting so involved I really like enjoyed playing and training in the social side like I got onto the teams and then later you know like I became captain and played whatever mm-hmm. I I think it was really normal for me to join the team right and a sport so like I I think I would have really, really struggled at uni if I didn't have something else outside of university. Mm-hmm. Personally, because as university went on, I had a harder and harder, harder time studying. Right. I like felt I didn't really get on with many people at university because we had different interests. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I found that the girls I met at basketball I got on a lot better with because we had similar interests for example that's why we were there um and because I was with 
people who weren't on my course Mm -hmm. I think that made the biggest difference I felt like I didn't need to talk about my course with them I didn't need to like explain this that the other or that like you know I'm stressed about exams or that I didn't do well like they just you know they were just we were focusing on other things and that was like a really good release for me yeah exactly um because you know like studying the degree I did I guess it's just all consuming and it was really tough Mm -hmm. and I wasn't enjoying it and you know I wasn't able to see my friends at uni yeah because you know we're on different rotations all the time or different types of schedules um but whereas my basketball will always be consistent we'd always have training so 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 games Mm -hmm. so 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 blah 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 um so that was the kind of consistent thing for me it was so good and I definitely recommend that people who go to university should use these opportunities that are there Mm -hmm. like societies or sports or whether it's like music or your other kind of types of societies I know a lot of people for example are you know they move to go to university they might not you know it's difficult to make friends where if you join a club or society, you're you're going to meet other people who are in a similar position as you, want to make friends. Yeah. And the best way to make friends is to, like, when you've got a shared interest. Exactly. That's, like, the number one, like, conversation starter. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone, yeah. Aww. And obviously, you know, um, you've also, once you've um, started working as a doctor, you know, once you've graduated, you've also kept that passion going. You, you know, I think, um, correct me, Mark Helchu was something that you um, created, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe like you could talk a little bit about that perhaps for, you know, people who do enjoy like basketball and who are interested in it. Like what, what is that about and why did you create it? Thanks, Richard. Um, this is obviously great exposure for my page, basically. Um, like I said, like I've been playing sports my whole life and it was really easy to play sports because I had like a local team or I played at my school and then I played at college and then I played at university. So they, I was joining teams that were already there and mm. had like a set up system and um, had that support in place. And I had the best time. Now, when I came home over, like, summer holidays and stuff, like, it was okay. Like, I would play with um, friends in the local area or whoever would play. Like, I kind of joined join them, and that was okay over for summer. And I'd always heard people talk about how hard it was to continue with sports mm. after finishing, you know, your your studies. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no, I'm sure it would be fine. Like, I'll just I'll just play, like, how I've always played. And then I st- uh, obviously I finished uni and I got to work and I'm I'm coming to work like here in, in the Midlands. I don't know anyone. And I'm just like not having the opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. And I think what I felt was that I was always dependent on other people to do something yeah. active. I felt like, oh, they're going to organize training. And if they're doing it, they'll call, invite me. And if I'm free, I'll go. Or if I see some people playing, like I'll ask to join and I'll join in with them and play. And mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of times I was playing with guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just more of them interested in sport, I guess, um, and more of them kind of proactive about doing sport. Right. And I just got used to playing with guys and I just got really frustrated because I always felt like as a girl I was not really included as much as I felt like I should have, Mm -hmm. Um, not given the same opportunities as 
you know, guys or even guys who I felt weren't maybe playing at the same level as me or had the same like passion for it as mm-hmm. I did. I just felt like I was not being prioritized. But then I was like, wait, hold on a minute. That's my own fault because I've always just relied on other people to do stuff. Right, right. And so I felt like, okay, well, I know a couple of girls from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'd always had this idea that I wanted to just get more girls playing sports mm-hmm. and that I already knew a couple of girls that played. Why don't I just get them together and, you know, organize a couple of things? I've, I've been thinking that for a long time, but then I think my problem was that I was trying to get get loads of girls involved first and then get a, right. like, you know, a formal organization out, for example. Then actually I thought to myself, no, it's fine. Like I'll just start something and if it grows, it grows. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like I'm not really here to make my culture like a really big thing. It's more the whole aim of it is just to get a couple of girls and play. Yeah. So I kind of started that. It's been maybe a year and a half now. And I booked a court and I was just kind of started advertising mm-hmm. um I messaged some of the girls that I used to play with and told them to spread the message made like an Instagram account because you know that is the way to do things apparently yeah. <laughs> so and then I was trying to like reach out promote and actually the first couple of sessions I was really surprised by the turnout mm-hmm. I'm not I wasn't expecting like 50 people there I was expecting like five but like you know I was able to meet girls who I'd never met before Mm. who were like absolutely like smashing it they were like amazing at the sport and I was Mm. just like why have I not met you before why have you not had a platform to show how amazing you are because these girls are so good and I swear if I was that good at their age who knows but honestly they're like really killing it I was just like I felt really proud to be able to know girls yeah who had the same passion for something that like I used to have and I was just like this is amazing that we need to continue so again just trying to book a call trying to promote it and see you know welcome to whoever um, wants to come Mm -hmm. it's mainly focused at like Nepalese girls but I'm literally we're open to anyone and everyone who'd like to come and it's literally all abilities Mm. I had a friend the you know a friend I've known for a really long time she's you know, would say herself that isn't particularly sporty, mm-hmm. but she felt like, you know, she wanted to try basketball. Um, she she knows me, so at least she knows, like, you know, someone there. Yeah. And she came, and she just, you know, the feedback I got from her was really positive. She Aww. said that she had a really, like, nice time, that all the girls were really welcoming, and that they didn't really make her feel as if her lack of experience and ability really made that much of a difference, mm-hmm. and that she got really good work out of it um she you know and she had such a great session so I think that kind of just summarizes the fact that you know we I'm just trying to push more girls to play Mm -hmm. and at least have um somewhere where they can come together and you know try something new or meet other people Mm -hmm. and and continue I guess the end goal would be to do loads of different sports football Mm -hmm. is my next priority yeah that is my like Oh, yeah, you do football as well. I'm great at that. I remember you used to play football too, gosh, yeah. You're a very sports person. And I love what you did with my culture. And you're so right in saying that generally, like, especially with girls, like, even research Mm -hmm. shows that after school, after uni, there's that decline in terms of how much sports that women are involved in or, um, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think 
you did a great job in actually initiating this because I feel like someone is always waiting for that someone else to start it right it's like who is it gonna be but like it's like you know just go for it open it and then Mm. like you said you weren't like even you didn't even expect that many girls like you've never met before Mm. to show up and it just shows that there is that interest there and there is that want to play for women especially um you know it's just creating that space um that safe space like you said for people to feel included um, and generally, yeah, I feel like I wish there was more of this. And um, if people, if like girls are listening that are interested in basketball or sports, or even if you have never played before, I think it's great to get involved in um, mm-hmm. such um, like clubs because I feel like, like you said, you also meet new people and it's also a mm. great workout. And yeah, I feel like just generally in life, you're really motivated. Like you said, even with your university, when you first applied, like you didn't get in, but you were like, you know what, you know, you're fine with that. You went back again so you don't give up and I feel like a lot of that also comes with sports and like you have this mindset you kind of work on yourself so I feel like overall you know you you're quite an inspiring person personally um and I hope I'm that... smiling <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I can't it's... see the video but I'm smiling yeah <laughs> yeah we have to keep going as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah just compliments on compliments but honestly it's true and I just wanted to ask you like what drives you then and what motivates you in life like professionally and personally what keeps you going oh I think personally what keeps me going is I would say my family are a really 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 big part of me like we're a very close-knit family and you know I feel like however much I've achieved is because of the support of my family and like you know making my parents proud making my family proud and you know doing what I think is you know doing my best and Mm -hmm. showing like really working hard is a reflection of you know how I've been raised and like how I want to show myself to the world I guess so I'm like I guess that kind of drives me personally is that I want to give something back. I want to do the type of job where I feel like I'm achieving something mm-hmm. um, and doing stuff for other people. So that's that's probably the main thing. Um, professionally, I guess, has been a bit tougher to establish with everything going on. And I had a really hard time at uni, so I was like, you know, is this the right career for me? Have I, have I kind of gotten in too deep? And mm. I guess that goes back to me not being sure about um, doing medicine 100% mm-hmm. so I had a lot of doubts when I was going through uni and um, you know failing this exam failing that exam I felt oh is this what I actually want to do career-wise mm. but now that I've started working I honestly can't imagine myself doing any type of any other job right. I'm so glad that I stuck through um, every everything really because now I feel like I'm in a type of job where I am working with other people, all different types of ages and colleagues mm-hmm. and specialities. Um, we're all trying to help people. We're all like doing our best so that um, you know people can be looked after um, and receive medical care. I guess at the end of the day. Um, so I yeah. think professionally I I still am yet to decide what I want to specialize in but I know like I am doing what I want to do nice I love that oh it's like obviously (laughs) everyone no everyone questions themselves at some point but it's like the fact that you've overcame it you went through it and then yeah you like 
got yourself to where you are today because you know you you worked hard and all of that so it's great it's great to know that it's something that you know you can't see doing anything else so it's nice to hear that for sure um I just wanted to ask you then like obviously you've given such great insight into what you do what's life like as a doctor um what advice would you give to those who want to kind of follow in a similar direction or want to study medicine what would you say you know is the most important thing um for someone who who hasn't maybe even applied yet um what would you tell them um what to tell them I think that it is a very hard course to do. I think it's really important to be realistic mm-hmm. and have backup options. And, you know, you've got to kind of brace yourself, I, I guess, I would say from my personal experience. Right. Um, but I think, I think going through uni, so once you get in, I think sometimes the hardest part is getting in. I think mm. going through uni the advice I would give is to seek support if you need it mm-hmm. and 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 look for advice and guidance earlier on. Mm-hmm. I think going through uni, I felt like, you know, I didn't want to talk about my shortcomings or my failures. Right. I felt like I was surrounded by people who are a lot, lot more cleverer than me and were, you know, had no difficulties. But then when I reached out and started to speak to people and actually just you know, try to overcome some of my insecurities about it. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of really good advice and support and feedback and knowing that, you know, you're not alone struggling kind of really helped in make me work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, by, by being yourself yeah. and being honest that if you're having a hard time, you're having a hard time. Yeah. Um, if you've got the time, then you should be trying to do societies and clubs because, you know, you're at that age where you should be enjoying life also. Like, it's not just about your studies. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about your quality of life. So you really got to think about, you know, if medicine is for you, if it is, like, amazing go full steam ahead but you do need to like put yourself first as well and enjoy you know your whole university experience nice oh that's really sweet um and you're so right you know of course like study work hard and all that but also enjoy the whole experience I suppose um Mm -hmm. because you don't get that time back um and I love the fact that you mentioned about you know seeking support because um I feel like that's so true for everyone where we're all like holding back and asking for help because we think oh like you know what 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 will they think of me and yeah, all that yeah, but everyone's yeah. going through that same uh, yeah. ride and that same kind of similar journey so yeah that's really good advice thank you I mean it's been so good talking to you and learning about you know what you do and <laughs> particularly loved hearing about why you started like Mark Helchu and I can't wait to kind of um hear more about once you start the whole football journey as well which I'm sure <laughs> I can't wait seen. I mean yeah uh, you know lockdown needs to end I need to start mm. you know being a bit more on it but yeah we're getting there yeah I mean you're already on it as a doctor so honestly anything extra <laughs> is just <laughs> just about just about hanging on there um but yeah you know life is what it is like we're all kind of doing our best right now in mm-hmm. lockdown whether you're working you're not working you're at home or like you know out and about like Exactly. I think the this past year and a half has been one to kind of reflect and appreciate where where we all are, I guess. 
No, definitely. Um, thank you so much again for you know joining me and sharing your story today. And um, for the listeners, it, I hope that's helped you guys. And I definitely have learned a lot as well. So thank you so much again, Resma. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, I feel like I've kind of spouted a bit of nonsense here and there, but hopefully there's you know some parts are interesting. But there's thank you no so nonsense. much again. <laughs> there's been, been no nice nonsense to you know throw it all the way back to A level days. But yeah. Aww. All right. Thank you. Thanks.